0: Welcome back to the Mandarin blueprint podcast. My name is Phil Crimmins. I'm one of the two co-founders of Mandarin blueprint and what is Mandarin blueprint anyway? One of the things that's kind of interesting about our project here at Mandarin blueprint is that sometimes people struggle to understand what the heck we are. They're like, Hey, so where can I go have classes? And we're like, well, we're not a brick and mortar school, nor do we have live classes. What we are is an online curriculum that you can follow at your own pace. Now, Online courses are so full of advantages, but they have this disadvantage called nobody's really holding you accountable. So you can sign up for an online course. You can even pay for an online course and then never open the web page and never go look at it because you're not going to get a degree for it. So there's not that sort of incentive on the other side of it. And you're not necessarily going to have somebody knocking at your door saying, hey, uh, why haven't you shown up to class? Because it's not a class. It's an online course. So we want people to understand that What we can do for you, the carrot that's at the other side of this online course, is get Chinese into your brain faster than any other method that's out there currently. And so the reason we're so confident about that is because Chinese requires foundation building like no other language does. But if you build that foundation solidly, it's incredibly easy. And that might be a surprise to some people because Chinese is always framed as the most difficult language in the world, but it's not exactly the best way to think about it. Here's how you should think of Chinese. Chinese requires learning an entirely different writing system, an entirely different writing system that will make you better at thinking, that will make you completely reframe your perceptions of the world, that can actually change how you perceive your day-to-day life. It's that different from our writing system. So naturally, that takes a little bit of time to figure out, but... Because Chinese runs on characters, not running on an alphabet. The way that you build the language is much more like putting Legos together. That the grammar is so simple because you're just like putting little puzzle pieces together and going, okay, well that's this one means uh, table and this one means book. So if we put book table next to each other, that means desk. The book table, shu duo, and like that type of. Log- logical consistency across the language. And I should say, it's like, you know, it's not 100% consistent because it's made by humans and humans aren't consistent, but it's way more consistent than English. So if you can learn the characters properly, oh my gosh, is it easy? And it makes you better at thinking and it gives you access to a billion people. So there's your carrot. There's your show up every day to learn how to speak Chinese through Mandarin blueprint, because everything else that's out there is either very good, but focused towards an intermediate learner or, you know, advanced learners. And the reason why they do that is because if you can focus towards intermediate learners or advanced learners, then you can sort of take as an assumption that you advanced learners somehow already figured out loads of characters. So now that I know that you already have that, here's some great techniques. And we're so happy. Those people are out there. They've helped us uh, learn a lot of Chinese ourselves, but what's, somewhat lacking is good foundational material that teaches characters properly so that you can not only learn them quickly, but remember them forever. Or if you do forget them, quickly remember them again, because you have the right techniques to learn them. And you also need to quickly use them in context. So we have this great system for remembering Chinese characters called the hanzi movie method. And it breaks down the character into its character components, its pinyin initial, its pinyin final, its tone. And we have a whole system of mnemonics that works so well for people. And we're gonna get a lot into that later in the show. Uh, But it allows you to quickly learn everything you need to know about a Chinese character, sometimes as fast as 15 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute. These are the actual numbers we get from our case studies. People can learn a character like that. But then, once you have a character you're not done with it. You need to then see it in the context of a word. And then you need to see it in the context of a sentence. And then you need to see it in the context of a paragraph and a story. You need to build it out. And when you do that, you'll just see what an incredibly logically consistent and fascinating language Mandarin is. So when it comes to showing up for an online course, what you need is you need that carrot at the other end. And then, you know, when it comes to, you know, everybody said this, you always need a carrot and a stick, right? Well, not a big fan of negative motivations, but they do work sometimes. And really, what it just comes down to is that why not make Chinese the thing that can get you to become good at habits? Because there's like a meta game that you can win. So, one of the things that Chinese really helped me with was the idea of no zero days. With Chinese, I decided, okay, no more zero days of working towards a goal that I'm trying to achieve. You know, some things shouldn't have a should, should have some rest days if you're talking about maybe physical activity. But when it comes to mental activity, making sure that there are no days where I make zero progress was huge towards building habits, not just for Chinese, but everything intellectual that I've done since. Any intellectual pursuit that I've done since that time has gotten me into that no zero days mentality. And Chinese could be that. And if you can't, pull that off i guess the stick is just feeling bad about yourself like i can't manage to do at least one minute a day of something every day and, you know there's an app i think called no zero days that helps exactly with this and there's also habitica there's a great app for this type of stuff and so if you can manage to just show up at courses.mandarinblueprint.com every day and open it and watch a video or do an anki card then You're facilitating the habit enough that you can figure out, okay, this is quite the language, it's quite a system to learn it, and this will get me to access to a billion people, a language that makes me completely reframe how I perceive the world, it's that much different than English, and also recognize that there's a whole different way to look at almost any concept if you start from a different foundation. And yes, that foundation building period is longer than other languages. But we at Mandarin Blueprint, through the Hansa movie method and through integrating the characters you learn with words, sentences, paragraphs, and stories, we've made that foundation building period way more fun. It's so much more fun than it used to be. And so by doing that, you can now get to Mandarin. It's actually an achievable goal as opposed to this, like, you know, huge Herculean, hardest language in the world thing. Okay. So... That was a bit of an opening bit about what Mandarin Blueprint is about. What's the Mandarin Blueprint podcast about? Well, you know, and I recognize we have many loyal listeners who are like, yeah, I know what it's about, but there's always new listeners and we can tell that from our um, uh, podcast analytics. So what is the Mandarin Blueprint podcast about? Well, naturally, if we have a mnemonic system for memorizing the character components and the pinion initial and the pinion final and the tone and how do you remember the character quickly and then you have all these students on the course you're going to get suggestions from people you're going to say hey how about this component be represented by a, a, um, a giant obelisk or the Washington Monument or perhaps uh, you know that um, uh, giant tower of the Burj Khalifa in, in Dubai that represents a, whole, a vertical line Well, if we get suggestions during the week, A, we want to share them with everybody else and we want to give a response to the people who've uh, participated in the course or are engaging with the course. But we also get questions that come in. We get full mnemonic scenes suggested. And so what we want to do is have a weekly podcast where we interact with all the people who are leaving these comments on the course or sending an email to podcast at mandarinblueprint.com. So if you have any questions about your Mandarin learning on any level, whether it's characters, pronunciation, words... Uh, if it's uh, grammar, feel free to send it over and we'll address it on the podcast. Just send an email to podcast at MandarinBlueprint.com. It will enter our system. And uh, once we've recorded a podcast, edited it, put it up on YouTube with the timestamped links, we'll send you the timestamped link where we addressed your question. So uh, let's get into some of the questions. But before we do that, I do have a couple of announcements. First one, we have been talking for a few weeks about these updates to the course uh, that we've been wanting to do, just little clerical error fixing and uh, the top-down words that we're missing, which just means words that you haven't learned yet. If we gave you a sentence and there was one word that you haven't learned, we made some mistakes in the early part of it uh, where we would forget to list one, and so we fixed those. All the Anki decks are updated, so you can re-download those, and it will... Automatically uh, fix the mistakes that were in your Anki deck. The course platform is updated, so you can count on there being far, far fewer mistakes. And I. While I hesitate to say that there are zero mistakes and feel free to tell us if you find a typo or anything like that in the comments, it is much more presentable now much better when it comes to those grammar materials. And again, the reason why they were, uh, there were some clerical mistakes was just rushing, we were rushing to get it out by January 2019, which is when we originally released released the course. And there weren't as many problems with the first several levels. So the levels one through 12 are still the same. But from levels 13 through 36, they're just these little, I mean, there's 7,000 sentences. So within those 7,000 sentences, little errors and whatever, the translations have been added to levels 26 through 36. So when you get your new Anki decks, there'll be new translations there. And they're also on the course platform. And we've made a new update to phase three of the course, which is levels 13 through 20. So originally the conceit of the course was, whenever you learn a new word, whether it be a one-character word or a two-character word, we will have a set of sentences using that word below. What's are those sentences made up of? They're made up of the characters and words that you've already learned so that they're comprehensible because the key to language acquisition is getting as much comprehensible input as possible. And then when you've built up enough of that, you naturally want to output because you have enough that you've understood and now you're ready to express yourself. That is the actual language acquisition process. You cannot force output. It has to come naturally from good, comprehensible input. And so this theory of language acquisition is what we use to apply across all of our grammar acquisition materials by saying, okay, here's a new word, my innermost heart's feelings. And then here's three or four or five or six sentences with the word in it. And the original conceit was Put all of these sentences into your review queue. All of these sentences have a flashcard. They're in order in our flashcard decks. So do all of them. But what we were finding out from people, especially uh, the case study we did with a guy named Terry Ching, he said, you know, the sentences can get to be a lot. And then we saw another few people, uh, Sandy, um, Sammy, who's doing the HSK3 challenge right now, she also was saying wow this is a lot of sentences and so we went okay why don't we give a required sentence and all the other sentences are optional now this is per usage of the word so for example uh, some words like um for example uh the word uh can mean can be a noun meaning my life or it can be a verb to live Right? So that's clearly a different usage, a verb and a noun. We should definitely get at least one sentence per usage. But what we've done is we said, okay, we have your required sentence and all other sentences are optional. And it's very clearly labeled in the uh, course platform and also in your Anki cards. Your Anki cards are marked and they have a red flag on the ones that are the required sentence. So if you want to not have too many sentences, just do the required sentences. And then for the optional sentences, just unsuspend the cards, that is to say have them enter your review queue if you like them. Do all the required ones for sure, and then the optional ones, just read through them on the course platform and go, oh, that sentence is interesting and just unsuspend that one. Uh, Don't need to analyze it too much, just ask yourself do I like it? Now why? Why would you do it that way? Well, there's a big game that you're playing and there's a little game that you're playing. So the little game, um, which is always a winnable game, is something like learn all the sentences on this page and then review all the flashcards you have for today right and that's a fine game and you can win that game you can go to a new lesson see all the sentences and learn all the sentences on there unsuspend the flashcards and put them into your review queue cool there's a bigger game though that you're playing which is become fluent and literate in mandarin and never should the big game be sacrificed for the little game so if playing the little game to its extreme that is to say learning all the sentences no matter what if doing that causes you to give up or feel like it's too much or have too much anxiety in your day-to-day study then you've lost the big game which is the game you do not want to lose which means that Go ahead and make the little game simpler if it means you keep doing it every day. Because if you keep doing it every day, you will get there. There's no doubt about it. Of course you will. So the key here with understanding that is just to get that no matter what you're doing day to day, it's the daily habit that is actually what you must protect, what you must fight for in a way. So that's uh, our suggestion for phase three just do the required sentences one more note on that in level 13 which is the first level of phase three we still have you do all the sentences and the reason for that is you need to get a barometer of how it feels to do all the sentences so we have one level the first one where we say okay do every sentence do every single sentence here and then after level 13 some of you will feel like geez that was a lot of sentences in which case starting at level 14 do just the required sentences However, some of you are going to finish level 13, you're going to go, "Eh, that was fine. No problem. I'll just do all these sentences because at the end of the day, yeah, more sentences is better than fewer. More more comparable, comprehensible input is better than less. So, you might as well do all of them if you can handle the amount of workload. But if you can't or you don't want to, again, win the big game. Don't win don't win the little game at the expense of the big game. So, That's uh, one announcement we had. Next announcement. The character course expansion. Uh, I have been working diligently on the weekends on this, and I've made it through say the first about 150 characters or so in terms of setting the order. We've already done loads of analysis about which characters we're going to do, but it's now about presenting them in the right order and presenting them in a way that is interesting and also uh, gets you the most bang for your buck. So you're learning the the best characters and the most amount of that unlock the most amount of words that you can use in day to day life, and so. We've decided, because I'm now starting to see, you know, when you do something really big, like determine how to teach 1,000 characters, as you do it, it starts to clarify what it's going to be as you're going through the process. And I'm starting to see, okay, I think I can get this mostly completed, at least the preliminary step of it. If I had, like, a week, six full work days, like, long work days, uh, I could probably knock out... What's this preliminary phase where we come up with a rough draft of an order and then Luke will go through it and he'll give his opinions and then we'll uh, go from there. But I think that that's the amount about the amount of time I would need. And so Luke, Luke and I have agreed that I will spend at least six full work days just focusing on this uh, starting pretty soon, probably starting either later this week or next week. And so that should mean some good news on that front coming relatively soon. And uh, again, just to temper expectations, I'm not saying that after those six days we'll be ready to release anything. Or it's gonna—it's basically a preliminary phase that we'll finish. But once we have a rough draft of an order, it's mostly a matter of uh, tweaking and coming up with uh, sort of areas where you know Luke and I can uh, debate and argue whether or not we want to put a. A set of characters here or there, and that's some, where some of the best stuff happens. That's where uh, we came to a lot of great uh, ideas, and that's one of my favorite things to do with Luke. Luke and I have a very complementary sort of uh, uh, ways of thinking about this that creates lots of you know thought babies, and then you end up with like it's like what I say about why two heads are better than one, and actually a lot better than one. Is that suppose I have an idea, and. Uh, I also have an idea that would piggyback off of two of Luke's ideas, but Luke's two ideas are only going to get triggered by my first idea. And I will never get to like, say there's a, there's one idea and there's a piggyback and then another thought that he has on that one. So there's three thoughts. And the only way I'm going to have the fourth thought is if I hear those, the second and third thought, and then we end up just going back and forth and creating this whole thing. And so that's pretty exciting from the perspective of building a new character learning course. So, With that in mind, character expansion is making some progress. You know, we're making some good, uh, decent progress with the uh, updates. We've made those updates. They're ready to go. So, and we're always trying to get more people on the course. It's tough. You know, it's like, it's trying to convince people, what the heck is this thing? What is it? Is it a live class? Is it a, you know, what is it? It's an online course. So, you know, we're working on that. Online marketing is a. Big challenge, but we're so grateful to all of you who are on the course who make it possible for us to still be able to do this uh, day to day. All right. Now with that in mind, let's get into today's user question. Now, first, I'm going to start off with an email that is totally just like sort of a marketing search engine optimization type of email we received. But interestingly enough, though, if I actually talk about it, it will help get the word out about a bunch of Mandarin learning podcasts. Uh, I got a Uh, an email from a guy named uh, Anuj Agarwal. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but he says, I'm the founder of Feedspot. I would like to personally congratulate you as your website, Mandarin Blueprint, has been selected by our panelists as one of the top 15 Mandarin Chinese learning podcasts on the web. And this is what I'm saying about like how it seems like kind of a marketing email because... Are there even 15 Mandarin Chinese learning podcasts? Like there's probably around that many that are consistently updating. Maybe there's more, but we're in the top 15 according to feed spot. So hooray. And it, it the, he puts a link here because I think how SEO works is that if you link, if your blog or whatever gets linked in many other places on the web, then Google recognizes that and uh, you get a higher search ranking. So He's basically saying like, hey, will you post this link to uh, our blog, the blog.feedspot.com slash Mandarin Chinese learning podcasts. And uh, I've posted that in the show notes because that will get more traffic to his blog. But it, it is a good post. It has uh, our podcast, obviously, and it has several other Chinese learning podcasts. So if you're interested in more Chinese learning podcasts, go check out that link below. And this way, you know, we'll get. Uh, some more traffic to Anuj's site, and why not? He's doing a good thing, and we'll also get you some more Mandarin learning podcast opportunities. So that's something that is, you know, always good. And um, yeah, it's funny, yes, such as you know, like, you know, marketing email. I personally give you a high five and want to thank you for your contribution to this world. Well, thanks very much, Anuj, and we've put the link in the show notes. So let's get into some. Uh, Prop suggestions. So props are the object representations of a Chinese character component in our mnemonic visualization system called the Hanzi movie method. So when you're learning a new character, it has character components, and trying to remember how they're written on the page, our brains are not very evolved to do that, but we are quite evolved to remember objects. So if I've got my Starbucks coffee, I've got several associations with this but i've also got the ability to imagine it in my mind like i don't need to um sort of put any extra effort into imagining a starbucks cup and i could have this starbucks cup represent a chinese character component so could i have with any other number of objects so we meaning luke and i when we originally made the course we uh what we did was think to ourselves what could be some good object representations for these various character components and uh what we discovered was that obviously we don't know all the possible associations you could have so people give their suggestions based on either the meaning of the character component or how it looks so first we have sandy on pick a pop pick a prop for jiu which means nine, it's the number nine, and it's a character component in many characters. So she says, uh, Gumiho, or Ho, which is a nine-tailed fox from Korean, uh, from Korean legends. So nine-tailed fox represents the component for nine. Perfect, great. Sandy again on Pick a Prop for which means like sort of um scenery and she picked a rainbow well sure absolutely a rainbow is one of the best things to see when you're looking at scenery i remember one time i was in delat vietnam and which is a beautiful little um hamlet of a small town small city big town small city and there was this rainbow that was just going across the entire town after it just rained it was absolutely breathtaking and so yeah that's perfect Chad on pick a prop for duo, which means many or much. He said, since I went with a single bat for C. Okay. So this is the character component here. If you can, Im- or the char- the character, here, if you can imagine it, it's uh, basically two of, um, well, you'll see it in the show notes, but it's, it's a doubled up version of another prop. And so he said, since I went with a single bat for C, which he's referring to the flying bats, because C means evening. And bats fly in the evening. I decide to just do a colony of bats for this prop. And, of course, a colony of bats is many bats. And this character means many. So, that's fine. Um, pick a prop for die. Kiefer Sutherland from the movie The Lost Boys. Because die means like kind of like bad or, um, in some cases, vampiric. And he was a a, a, a vampire in that movie The Lost Boys. Chad Ressler on pick-a-prop for Shao. Matt Damon from the movie Goodwill Hunting when he was working as a janitor at the university because Shao, this is one based on the appearance, Shawl means few as opposed to many, but it also kind of looks like a guy sweeping. Like if you can imagine that the first three strokes are a body and two arms and the bottom stroke is sweeping the floor – uh you could do that. And I guess his association with Matt Damon being the janitor from Goodwill Hunting at the beginning anyway, is uh strong. And that is kind of a cool thing about that movie, how he, you know, is this genius, but he's working as a janitor. So absolutely. Alright, next we have from William Edmetes on Pick a Prop for Ling. We have Spongebob, because he, is always say, he always says, order up, right, sure, and uh, Ling means like a, an order, and it's usually like a, I order you to do something, but uh, still, order up, it's like kind of, and I mean, I guess it's what you're doing when you make an order, <laughs> I never really thought about that, how like when you're at McDonald's or something and you make an order, you're essentially, I'm ordering you to do these things, <laughs> I never thought of it like that, um, just because order seems so impolite, Yeah, I'm giving you an order, but uh, I get it. Alright, so let's see here. Uh Sandy on the same prop, she says waiter, because he takes orders. I should really like, you know, read ahead on these sometimes. <laughs> That's exactly what uh you would what I was getting at. Cool. William Edmead's on pick a prop for Zhu, which is the character that means foot. A giant a pair of giant pink running shoes. Absolutely. Totally. Michael on pick a prop for dui, which looks kind of like a Devil type character, but it also means exchange. Also, consider that in Goethe's, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's, but it's that writer with the last name spelled G O E T H, it looks like Goeth's, but then I think it's pronounced like Goethe, 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 I don't know. But um, Faust makes a deal with the devil to exchange his soul after his death for unlimited knowledge during his life on Earth. Okay. Uh, well, uh, I, I see the that's an interesting m- moment from the drama of Faust, but I don't know how that could turn into a prop necessarily. Although, um, you know, you might be able to come up with the character of Faust if you had a clear image in your mind of that. Um, but that's also just an interesting piece of knowledge to share, so for sure. Uh, you and Grant on Pick a Prop for two. Go the board game because chu means to go, so go the board game or starters blocks. On your marks, get set, go. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Simple associations. These aren't hard. Pick a prop for chong. Gonna go with Bugs Bunny because chong means insect or bug. Like if you just say chongzi, chongzi, that's just a bug. Like kun chong is uh, the word for insect, but if you're just gonna say ah, it's a bug, chongzi, chongzi. So let's see here. Um, and Bugs Bunny, of course, simple. And then he says also anyone from the Bugs Life movie would work as well. Absolutely. Next, Ija on pick a prop for Yao. And so this character means uh, to die young. And so we suggested, uh, you know, to pick somebody who is, has sadly, you know, died too young for their age. We thought of Kurt Cobain, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. But then Ija recommended... Amy Winehouse, absolutely, died too young. Twenty-seven. There's a lot of rock stars who died at twenty-seven, which is an interesting sort of phenomenon. William Edmities on pick a prop. So this is the main prop in the character for uh, uh, little brother D, and it is we suggested it being an archer because it's the prop of the um, the the bow, gong, and then one horizontal line in it. So it's like there's a bow with an arrow in it, right? And so he he's going to go with the character Archer from the TV show Archer. So that's perfect. William Edmidi is on Pick a Prop for Joy, which means uh, we recommended a turkey, but he said he's going to choose a kiwi, a well-known short-tailed bird here in New Zealand. So perfect. So it's a, that's the actual meaning of this character. It's a very rare character, but it's a major component in many other characters, uh, which is a short-tailed bird. So going with the kiwi, especially with the association, uh, i mean new zealanders we we call new zealanders kiwis abroad um they call themselves that so that's even uh, a stronger association natalia on pick a prop for jing the beijing duck so perfect yeah especially if you've had an experience like that where you've had beijing duck i mean just go for it like that that the character jing used as a prop just imagine a beijing duck's it's perfect it's go, it's a clear and obvious link Connor Griffith on Pick a Prop for Mien, which is the sort of roof component, he said, going with one of the French art berets, because, of course, that goes on top of your head. This character, you know, almost always goes on top. Uh, There's a couple of exceptions, but generally it goes on top of the character. So, you imagine a French art beret. Okay, next we're going to go with the actors. Only two actor suggestions this week, but they're both in the U category. So... Uh, on the very right side of the pinyin chart, you'll find that there is the sixth vowel of Chinese, which is ü ü. So it's kind of uh, unlike the the ü ü, which is just a regular u with no umlaut. The ü is tight-lipped, and more of the sound comes from the front of your mouth. Whereas the ü is relaxed lips, and it's more from the back of your throat. ü ü and so this sixth vowel only combines with uh, five initials. It's either by itself, ü, in which case it's spelled yu, or it's nü, lü, sir n or l, or tü, chü, and that's it. Which means that you only have to pick six actor representations for the pinyin initial, and when it's only six. That gives you the option of choosing your own category. Now, we gave two suggested categories, one being mythical gods and one being world leaders. But you could choose any number of categories. A lot of people like to choose exclusively characters from a specific fictional universe, so long as they don't use any of those characters for the uh, actors to represent the ooh sounds, because those are supposed to be fictional characters. But as long as you say, okay, Harry Potter characters are only u that's a clear enough categorical distinction that you won't confuse yourself you just got to make sure that with the u you don't use any harry potter harry potter characters because they're designated to be in the u sound now aaron amato on casting call for new said how about nigel farage so he must be going with the uh, world leader suggestion and sure he's a very iconic figure and then alina dana Uh, Alina Dana Koroyan, I hope I'm pronouncing your last name correctly, casting call for Zhu. And so she's in Chinese mythology, the uh, Zhu Shou, the dragon spirit of the West. He is a messenger of the ancient sky god. He lives in and controls the West of the world, oversees fall, brings bad luck, and is rather unpopular. (laughs) Male spirit in charge of messages, also known as Zhu Shou. I chose just the pinyin for the way it sounds. So, sure. That's interesting. So, Alina must have some uh, Chinese mythology knowledge. And so, she's really going to try to get into the Chinese language side of things, too. That's one of my favorites when people are already into Chinese uh, cultural, culture or mythology. And then they get into, uh, you know, something related to the language. That's awesome. It's, it's like automatic motivation. Okay. Next, this is a good question from Christine because she's having a little trouble with something. So we'll see if we can help her out. So she says, I'm having, uh, this is related to sets, by the way. We're now moving on to sets. So this is the representation of the pinion finals, which is represented by a place. It's really easy to imagine yourself in many places that you've been before. All right. So she says, I'm having trouble with the sets or the places because when I think of a really significant one, there's no kitchen, workplaces, gym, school, hotel, post offices. I managed to envisage a set for A-N with Andes and my favorite camping spot, but I had to use the tent as the bedroom and imagine my cooking area for the kitchen and so on. It's not coming so easily with E-N, and I'm getting discouraged to think that I have to come up with even 10 more. Objects are obviously easier. I guess the rooms are throwing me off a bit, and the list isn't helping to associate with the house or apartment. Help! Okay, so first of all, these the tone she's saying it doesn't have a kitchen why is that a problem because the tones exist in different rooms in the set that you choose so you decide i'm gonna make en my uh set in the uh my uh, apartment in Chengdu, right well If I chose to do that, I need to have first tone for EN be outside the entrance, second tone be inside the entrance or the kitchen perhaps, or the the third tone could be the bedroom or the living room, and fourth tone could be the bathroom or the backyard. But here's the thing. These are just suggestions to allow for consistency. So if you choose a kitchen, that's Really easy to tell where you are, and if you know that kitchen means second tone, then you're like, I'm imagining myself in the kitchen of my apartment in Chengdu, I know that it's second tone and EN. Brad Pitt's there, then I know it's B E N, button, or if it was third tone, button, and I'm in the living room. But that doesn't mean it has to be the kitchen. So, uh, Christine, if you look at the sets blog post or the sets uh, Google Doc will make it clear that it's just about the boundaries it's just about having clear enough boundaries so that in your mind's eye you can imagine clearly the different uh locations uh it's just like okay I'm definitely in the second tone area not the third tone area if there's any chance of mixing it up in your mind then it's not a good enough boundary but in your example you said you were in the Andes at your favorite camping spot. Well, certainly inside the tent is a very clear boundary. Uh, if you can imagine your cooking area and there's a clear boundary around the cooking area, then sure. But if there's in any way the possibility of being confused about which part of the set that you're in, then maybe the boundaries need to be made clear, but which boundaries you choose is entirely up to you. Now, um, as for the places, So, for example you said you were struggling with uh en well first of all there's a few things you can just pick right off the bat oh oh, and i should also mention this i picked my 13 sets randomly i didn't associate them with the sound i just picked 13 places i could think of from my life and then just randomly assigned them to one of the uh one of the pinion finals now That's not as good as associating them with the sound, because if you associate it with the sound, it's easier for you to remember. So E-N, elementary school. So I'll imagine my elementary school, and it's very quick. But it's also not that hard to memorize 13 things. Like, if you just rote-memorize 13 things, it's not that hard. Not to mention we even give you the Anki flashcards, so you can rote-memorize them at spaced intervals which is you know what makes you remember them anyway when it's only 13 that's a total possibility when you get to 3000 characters it's it's a you know it's a possibility but only if you can tolerate a long and arduous journey of painful writing over and over uh, of characters which is just lame and boring and nobody wants to do it but if you're only talking about 13 pinion finals you can just kind of just pick 13 places from your life see if those 13 places happen to have a mnemonic sound that you can associate with one of the pinion finals. And that might take care of like six or seven of them. And then the remaining ones you can just assign at random. So that would be my suggestion. If you're finding the associations to be tricky, then just write down 13 places, write down the 13 most significant places from your life you can think of then see if they can they have any associations to the 13 uh final sounds and then whatever's left assign them randomly write them down in your anki cards review them and you'll memorize them before you know it so that would be my recommendation christine also another recommendation if you're struggling with associations ever is to uh maybe do a short meditation before you start and try to get your brain into that state of acceptance like, not the state of, like, I must figure this out right now. I have to try to figure it out right in this moment. See if you can get your brain to enter that state of, like, what will come into my mind next? I'm curious. Like, what association will my brain naturally make here? If you're feeling stressed about it, it's harder to just let that, those associations come naturally. So that would be my secondary suggestion. Mateus on set the scene for 2 of 13, so this is for A-N, I used to live in a house on Antelope Way, easy, so A-N, and he used to live on Antelope Way, so that house will be the representation of A-N. Zach Morgan on set the scene 13 of 13, this is for E-N-G. I also went with my first residence in China, that's what Luke went with. My friend's apartment in Chengdu. Perfect. So really loving the Mandarin Blueprint method so far. It's a breath of fresh air after trying and struggling to learn only spoken Chinese. That is darn right. Only learning spoken Chinese is going to, you're going to hit a wall and you're going to hit it hard. You got to learn the, the writing system. Next, we're going to get into our full movie scenes. So we have Xiao Tian, which I assume is the Chinese name of this particular individual. Um, make a movie for, 四, which means to operate or an operator, that type of thing. Uh, the three components are the Rolling Stone's mouth, a razor blade or a dagger, and the um, it's kind of like a um, uh, like a pincer is one of the ways that we can we call it, but I think that uh, Xiao Tian has picked a different one. forceps, a forceps clamp. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So the forceps clamp would be the third component here. And it's pronounced s, So we have Samuel L. Jackson in the front yard of Xiao Tian's childhood home, because there's no final with It's just the initial sound. When there's no final, we recommend your childhood home. And it's first tone, so it's outside the entrance. So Samuel L. Jackson is in the front yard of my childhood home dressed like a surgeon. He is using a forceps clamp and a dagger to pierce the tongue of the Rolling Stone's mouth. So this is all fine. I just don't know that it's necessarily getting across the idea of operate or to operate, so or an operation. I guess you could say it's a it's a um, actually yeah I guess it's a, a a surgical operation. That's not what this means. It, it means operate like operate machinery, but that's what we will call a, a link on the English side. So you have the uh, the operation has a double meaning. It could be a an operation, uh, like a company, is an operation. Um, but you could also say an operation could be like a surgical operation. So she's making, he or she, is making a uh, connection to the English homonym, the English double meaning, to get across the meaning here. And that's perfectly fine. Because once you see s, in context of words and sentences, you're not gonna think it means surgical operation anymore, but the thinking of it as a surgical operation at first helps you remember how to write the character and how it's pronounced and what it means. So it's totally fine. Chad Wrestler on Make a Movie for Tea, which is a topic. Location, childhood home in the kitchen, that's right. Actor Kaylee Teresa, her middle name for tea is used, sure. Um her yeah 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 so uh to, and that's fine you can use the middle name as the connection uh there to t the props are a shakespeare skull from hamlet and the constitution right so the the left side component is shirt, which means to be and so to be or not to be well that's the uh shakespeare skull idea there right and then you have uh the constitution because the right side component is paper or page so like what's the most important page to to you well it might be the constitution uh okay my daughter is home from her first semester of college and we are hanging out in the kitchen of my childhood home She now thinks she knows everything and decides she wants to debate me and says I can choose from two topics. (laughs) On the table, she puts a skull from Shakespeare's play Hamlet and next to it, a copy of the Constitution. She tells me the topic we can debate is either Shakespeare or U.S. politics. I pick U.S. politics since I always win. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure that you do, Chad. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Nothing to complain about there. Everything's in there. That's perfect. Xiao Tian on make a movie for jue, which means to decide. The three components are ice, which uh, he or she uses to make the entire environment like winter. Um, the horse head and the great dane. And the, uh, for uh, jue, because it's jue, that's going to be George Washington for her, um, him or her, because of the U uh, uh, pronunciation. The setting is the dead of winter. In the kitchen of my E set during the post apocalypse, <laughs> George Washington is at the butcher block with a tough decision to make. That's what this character means decision. His horse has just died and his great Dane is starving. He finally decides reluctantly to prepare the horse's head for the dog to eat. Now, some of you might be like, that's rather gruesome. But remember, you can think of this as. PG as you'd like, you know, if you can imagine uh, Claymation or something Claymation can have all, I remember there was this Celebrity (laughs) Deathmatch, yeah It was a clay uh, You know, sort of uh, Animated uh, Claymation of people fighting And there would be all this gory stuff happening, but it's Clay, so it's not really that um, You know Stomach turning, but if you aren't Too turned, if your stomach isn't Easily turned, make it as graphic as you like Tian again on Make a Movie for J. Jack Black is lying on my E-set roof in the middle of the night looking through a spyglass. At the end of the spyglass, you see Jack's giant blink-ing eyeball. Then you see he's counting sheep with the spyglass so he can fall asleep. Now, the reason why there's all these ings that I was en- emphasizing is because that's what Jh means. It's like a present action. So, it's like saying, sleep, sleeping. Shui, shui, right? So, like, it's sort of a way of exp- expressing that a verb is still happening. Xiao Tian will make a movie for Yang. My Y actor is in the backyard of my ANG set playing with, it's a YI actor, in the backyard of my ANG set playing with giant life-sized Legos. They set the tree and sheep pieces side by side and express their joy that they are the same size as the real thing. So yang means same. She's got the two tree and sheep components. And because they're side side by side and they're the same uh, size as the real thing, everybody is expressing the joy of what a great life-size Lego (laughs) situation you got there. Sure. And there's plenty of uh, special effects you could add to that to make it clear, mostly with expressions and things like that. Okay, so next we have make a movie for ban, which means to handle or deal with. And so Bill Murray, moonlighting as property manager of my A.N. apartment building is in my bathroom. So Bill Murray is the actor representing B and uh, the A.N. apartment building in the bathroom that you got your pronunciation taken care of there. He is exhausted from all the issues he is he has to deal with in that position he looks in the mirror splashes water uh, because there's two drops of water on his face and melodramatically tells himself heavy lies the crown," because uh, Xiao Tian has chosen to use Li the main component in this character as to be represented by a crown because Li means power and of course somebody who has the crown is very powerful nice William Ed on Make a Movie for Bay, Bear Grills B, in the bathroom of my E.I. set. So there, you got your pronunciation there. Bay. With the sloth, uh, sloth, which is the upper component, and a brain, lower component. Bear and the sloth and brain are acting out the scene from the Be Prepared song from The Lion King. Or should I say, Bay Prepared. That's... <laughs> Nice, William. Nice. <laughs> Get that mnemonic, uh, that auditory mnemonic set as well. Chad on Make a Movie for Go, which means enough. Location Joe and Ryan's backyard. So Joe O is the final there, and the backyard means uh, uh, fourth tongue. Actor is Gary Oldman. So that's the G there. And then the props are a chalkboard with sentences and a colony of bats so he, re- he mentioned the colony of bats before so that's the right side component and the left side component is qi, which means sentences so a chalkboard full of sentences that somebody's written in school i am with gary oldman in the backyard of my in-laws house who is busy writing out the script for his new movie titled enough where he plays one of the creators of mandarin blueprint who had had enough of traditional methods of learning Chinese and decided to start their own course. He only has the title written down and a few sentences describing the opening scene. As we hyperlapse through the day and dusk approaches, a large colony of bats begin flying around his chalkboard, and he says, Well, you certainly have enough Bats around here? Sure. <laughs> Chad does a lot of meta uh, scenes about the Mandarin Blueprint process. I don't, you know, that would have been cool if there had been bats involved, uh, this, a whole colony of them. That would have been, that would have added some flavor to the early days of Mandarin Blueprint. Chad on make a movie for Boo, which means uh, to take a step. Childhood home backyard with the black mask. Jet Lee's character from the movie Black Mask. And so uh, that's a fictional character representing the ooh sound. Uh, the black and black mask represents the B, and the backyard of the child, child at home is because there's nothing apart from B U. I'm in the backyard with the black mask. Oh, and the props are a stop sign uh, at the top, and Matt Damon from Goodwill hunting because he's sweeping. Uh, okay, cool. That's the bottom component. I'm in the backyard with the Black Mask and Matt Damon as they are rehearsing for the new action movie they are starring in. They are doing a scene where they have to walk step by step in unison, but Matt Damon is carrying a stop sign and he he has his broom, so he's much slower. They keep having to redo the scene because Matt Damon keeps missing several steps since he is not as fast as the Black Mask. Sure, absolutely. And, of course, having him in those unwieldy Carrying the unwieldy sort of uh, janitor equipment and a stop sign would make that make sense logically within the scene. You know, obviously, why is it happening in the first place? Well, because Chinese and your props and your uh, actors and sets created this scenario. But if he actually had to carry that stuff, it would be hard for him to be as fast as the black mask. Make a movie for gui, so this means expensive. The location is the Faith Inn, which is a former workplace back parking lot, uh, and because it's fourth tone, the actor is Guan Hong, uh, Guan Hongfeng, which is the detective from the show Day and Night. Uh, so another fictional character here, and then the uh, right. So the Faith Inn, beca- being the former workplace, is the representation of a faith. So a gui right props are the chinese flag and the razor blade and seashell because we have the chinese flag is the representation of Jung, which is the top component we have the razor blade as the middle component and a seashell as the bottom component uh oh apparently uh ija done a scene for this as well and so chad says see ija scene below for some more backstory but uh, oh i think i remember this so guan Hongfeng has come to america as he is on the trail uh He's on the trail of Gru from Despicable Me, who has been selling fake Chinese artifacts and claiming they are very expensive. He has heard uh, he was now selling them out of his trunk in this parking lot. He brought a sample with him as well as a razor blade and showed me how Gru made them using the razor blade and seashell, and then he wrapped them in a Chinese flag. He also showed me a printout of the ebay bids and how expensive they sold for sure you can imagine a computer with the ebay screen on it yeah that'd be clear enough uh i told him i didn't know where to find Gru, but that i didn't see i did see some minions walking around downtown (laughs) probably are some minions walking around downtown somewhere (laughs) yep that scene works got everything you need okay finally we've got some miscellaneous questions uh Six or seven of those. So let's get into the next one from Julian Laffey on bonus dialectical problems. So this is a in the Pronunciation Mastery where uh, we talk about some dialectical differences. He says, I have heard 什么 pronounced as sama. I assume it's for the same reasons. And he's probably referring to southern Chinese where they will sometimes lose the H sound. So, you know, you say 是的. You're like, 是的. 是的. You know, they kind of leave the H out. Chifan, like it's like the h in the 吃, it turns into like you know that happens sometimes in the south but again if you ask them hey say that in mandarin they would know how to it's just a local dialect type of situation william on the uh patience paragraph one so this is uh, in uh phase five of the course um, where we sort of introduce longer stories. and William says, very cute story. The kid reminds me of myself of myself when I was little. And what he's referring to is just that the uh, the story is about a father who's growing older and he wants his son to start planting flowers and grass to keep the family business going because he's getting older and he, he's, he's growing, You know, he's just growing old and it's time for him to retire and he gets sick and he needs his son to take care of it. And naturally, the kid is being a kid and he's like, oh, you know, I don't need to I don't need to really learn how to do this. It's easy to plant flowers. And of course, you know, he thinks that uh, it'll just they'll have already grown to completion by day two. And he's frustrated when they don't grow as quickly as he wants and he even thinks let me just pull them up to the level they need to be so that they'll grow faster and of course they all die and you know so it's so a, a story about patience and so he says very cute story good job annie writing that story okay so paul Tom- tomasovic on make a movie for hua and uh just to be clear he says at the end here that we made this uh clearer as he kept watching the videos but nonetheless though i still want to address his point here he says it starts to get a little more complicated as we start learning pronunciations that are spelled the same with the same tone so like two characters that have the same uh pronunciation and even tone like you know bian hua de hua and shuo hua, de hua they're both pronounced hua and they're different characters but they have the exact same pronunciation So they have a different character and something different if they use as a noun, verb, etc. Examples are dan for daybreak and dan for but or hua for transform and hua for talk. They're using the same fictional character, the same set, same room in the set or backyard. They've got the different props. The only difference is the props. Any ideas or suggestions on how to keep from getting these mixed up when trying to remember the differences. I thought about trying to think of one as a word and the other one not as a word, but it doesn't seem to work since sometimes uh, they're not a a word by itself. For example, dan, daybreak, is not a word by itself. So here's what I would suggest, Paul. And I mean, he said that, you know, it makes it clear, we make it clear as we go along. But if you run into this similar problem, here's what I would recommend. So first of all, the props being distinct is important that that fact that you're not dealing with the same props means that there is a clear enough distinction but what you need to do is put more emphasis on the props make them clearer in your mind's eye and then also do more special effects so add more theme music add more uh camera angles and theme lighting and you know cinematography and things like this to sort of really make it feel like a different event even though uh, it's the same actor, same set, and same room in the set. So that's one thing that you can do right off the bat. The second thing is to remember that you're going to see these in context very soon. And once you start seeing them in context, despite the fact that they have the same pronunciation, they're not going to look alike because they have different um, character components. So when you're actually looking at the Chinese character in a Chinese sentences and, and not just imagining it in your mnemonic world, that will make it clear as well. Because remember, there's, there, you're creating something with a mnemonic scene, but you're creating it so that you can then see it in real life, see the uh, character used in the real world. So with that in mind, that's something that will allow you to uh, acquire the characters very quickly. And so that's another thing. And, yeah, generally speaking, I think that the key is just to change up your uh, special effects if you can. And there's a whole... Uh, Document about special effects a whole blog post we did about it. So all that stuff can make it seem very different despite being in the same room with the same actor Michael has given a link that he shares here on make a movie for ma so The this study of so bad. It's good movies by now. You see it, which is a YouTube channel uh, helps explain why bad acting or camp acting works so well. And that's one of the things we suggest to make a scene more memorable is make your actor, like, terrible at acting, which kind of adds this element of humor to your scene. So the YouTube link to that video is in the description of uh, both this YouTube video and this uh, podcast. Kenneth Morgan on Make a Movie for Duk. Uh, let's see here, he says, I know that the same pinyin can refer to several different characters. Um, I knew that the same pinyin can refer to several different characters. I didn't appreciate until now that the same combination of characters can have several different pronunciations. So here we have D, D, and D, all represented by the same two characters. Right, and so this is what's called a Duoyinzi. So that there's more than one pronunciation, but there's a primary pronunciation. Like, this character is almost always pronounced D. But there's a couple of characters, like, for example, Moody, Moody. Or uh, there's another, <laughs> there's a brand name, Me-di, uh that is uh, Medea. It's like a make they make refrigerators and stuff. They'll use an alterna- alternative pronunciation, but generally speaking, it's usually Do. So that's why when there's a multiple pronunciation character, we always teach the main pronunciation first. And you'll figure out the secondary or tertiary pronunciations as you move on and you become more advanced. Final uh, comment, Cora Ashley on problem initial X and simple final I, Xi. She says, OMG, thank you. The tongue position makes all the difference in the world. My pronunciation has been the biggest obstacle for me in actually attempting to speak Chinese to someone other than myself in the mirror. I'm a new student, but already your course is really helping me gain confidence to actually speak to people in public. Yes, great to hear that, Cora. Uh, Our pronunciation course is pretty excellent. You know, it's, it's, it's the main, uh, starting point for anybody who's an absolute beginner is to nail that Chinese pronunciation. It's 180 videos, eight hours, six hours of it is on the actual content. And then two hours of bonus stuff, you know, like study habits, how to, uh, recognize dialectical problems, things like that. And so that just comes along with any subscription to the Mandarin blueprint method. So, uh, if you are currently uh, a member of the Mandarin blueprint method you go to your course library which is a, there's a big old button in the corner that always allows you to go to the course library you can go to pronunciation mastery at any time do not take pronunciation lightly luckily Chinese has only 420 independent syllables so it doesn't take too much to master Chinese pronunciation you could do so with Mandarin blueprints pronunciation mastery so thank you very much to all the people who submitted questions this week as a reminder, you can always go to mandarinbluebird.com to check out our new, the newest from the blog and from the podcast. And I would highly recommend that if you enjoy the course, well, you, you share with other people so that they can enjoy it too. Because that way, you're, you know, doing something to help more people speak Mandarin and connect with the most important country of the century. So we'll uh, see you next week.